So this morning we're going to go ahead and continue on with our, our series, the six in the series on the culture of Living Hope Family Church. It's basically who we are as a church. And uh, as you know, we've been, we've been going through and talking about the different things. We're a people of prayer. We're a people who worship. We're a people who love and honor one another. And today we're going to talk about that we are a people that are filled with the Spirit. Uh, Living Hope Family Church, that's one of the things that is, that is who we are. We believe in the Holy Spirit, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and we believe in the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, as we'll look at today, we're going we're gonna to look into Scripture, because the truth is, this is one of those areas today that sometimes is looked on with a little bit of taboo, and it's looked on uh, sometimes, a lot of people will say, oh no, the gifts of the Spirit aren't for today, they're, they're, uh, we're only for the New Testament church, they're in the book of Acts, but... Uh, how many know we still need power today to reach the lost? We still need that, the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us to make a difference in the lives of those around us. So today we'll look at and realize that, that uh, you know, when you get saved, salvation is the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of you, but uh, the being filled with the Spirit is the Holy Spirit coming upon you. It's subsequent to salvation. You do have to be saved first, but afterwards there's a second experience with the Holy Spirit as we're filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit that uh, is when the, His power is manifested through us. And we'll look at some of the gifts here soon. Um, Another thing we're going to look at today is what exactly is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? One of the things I want to break down, especially as we, we go through and look at, like I said, some of these things that are taboo, is break down what exactly is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Is it, is it scriptural? Is it still for today? How do you get baptized in the Holy Spirit? Um, next thing we know is, is how do you know that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Is it just uh, uh, something you just go on pure faith? Is there, we're going to look at some of the evidences of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then finally, the, the real meat of it, the real important part is, is what is the purpose of being baptized in the Holy Spirit? Why are we filled with the Holy Spirit? And in, in, a, in a nutshell, we're filled with the Spirit and receive it so that we can operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the common good. The Bible says that it's, it's for the common good so we can make an impact in people's lives. It's, it's the Holy Spirit working through us to touch the lives of those around us. So the first scripture I'm going to look at today is 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. It says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And you notice what it says, to each one. For the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another, the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the effecting of miracles. And to another, prophecy. And to another, the distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. And the truth is, this isn't even an exhaustive list of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you look at Romans 12, 6-8, it says this, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if, servicing, if service in his servicing, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, there are many gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit working through you and in you to impart you supernatural things that you weren't able to do before. You look at some of these, 
you know, it says another faith. How many of each of you has been given a measure of faith? We looked at that last week. But there are times when the Holy Spirit works through you where you have this gift of faith. It's a faith that's like you've never had before. And we have different things like the manifestation. Of this, oh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, the word of wisdom is, is when God gives you a message for somebody that's, to, that's going to, a, a word of wisdom that's going to help them in their lives. The Bible says it's, it's for, the, for the common good, a supernatural wisdom. How many, how many of you would like some supernatural wisdom sometimes? And people operate, operating in the gift of, this, this, the, gift of the Spirit uh, can do that and impart something into people's lives that they would not get anywhere else. And we go through and there's, there's many gifts, the gifts of healing, there's uh, the gift of affecting miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, various kinds of tongues, which is what we're going to spend a little bit of time in today as we talk about uh, tongues, is when speaking in tongues and praying in tongues is one of the gifts of the Spirit. But the one thing that's important that we recognize is that these gifts are for the common good. These gifts are for the body. It's, these gifts are to make an impact in the lives of, of people around us. That's the whole purpose of this, is to touch people's lives, to make an impact in people's lives, ultimately to, to win the lost and win people to Jesus and touch them. And the truth is, not everybody is going to operate in every gift. And operating in one gift does not elevate you to a higher position than somebody who operates in a different gift. These uh, gifts are not a reflection of you. These gifts are not a reflection of, of how good you are, how super spiritual you are. If you're a super saint, the pastor doesn't get more gifts than other people. But these gifts are a reflection of God working in you. Basically, you yielding yourself to allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. I've heard it said once that uh, everyone is given at least one gift. Anybody ever heard that? Everybody has at least one gift. And it's true, it says to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Everybody has the ability to operate in these gifts. It is, a, it is a gift from God working through you. And I've heard people say, oh, everyone has one, just one. They get their one gift and that's what they do. And I don't believe that. I, I believe that uh, we all have the ability to actually work in any one of these gifts at any given time. The Bible says it's the, the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. As long as you're willing to, to yield yourself to God and let Him work through you, I think that, it, that He will empower you with the gift that you need to make the impact at that time. As a matter of fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12.31 that we are to earnestly desire the greater gifts. He says we're supposed to desire these gifts. We're supposed to ask God to, to use these gifts in us to make an impact in people's lives. And I think that's one thing that most people don't even recognize that, yeah, let's desire these gifts. Let's desire different, let's pray for God to use the different ones that might make an impact in people's lives. So let's start looking at this. Let's start looking at the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit as we begin to look at some of the gifts and we see that there's, there's many gifts the Holy Spirit can use in us to touch people's lives. So the next question is, what is the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? So let's first talk about receiving the Holy Spirit in you when you get saved, I want to look at the difference between the two. In John 20, 19 through 22, it says, When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they, when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he has said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. 
This is immediately following the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. This is after he was raised. Three days after he was crucified, he, he rose again and he spent time with the disciples. And he stands before them and, and he says, Peace be with you. And then he says, He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So this, this here, the difference between being baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit and this first receiving of the Holy Spirit is this is salvation. When you get saved, when you, when you say, Father, I, I recognize that you died for me. You paid the price for me and I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Then a miracle happens inside of you and, and your old spirit is removed and the new spirit is placed inside of you. The Holy Spirit takes residence inside of you proving that you have been made pure and holy because I'm going to know that God can't live in an unpure vessel. But when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've been made pure, you've been made holy, and you have a new spirit that comes to live inside you, and that's the Holy Spirit. And he told them, receive the Holy Spirit. And what I find interesting is it says he breathed on them. And that's how he received the Holy Spirit. And it's actually a very similar story. If you think back all the way to the first book of the Bible, and in Genesis, you remember that, that God formed man. And, and how, did, how did man receive a spirit? How did he come to life? It says he breathed on him. And when he breathed, Adam came alive. And it's such a great parallel because when it happened, Adam came alive as a full-grown man with no past. How many know that it would be really easy to... To, to look at our lives and if, if we don't have to remember the bad things that we did, the, the tough stuff that we've gone through, if, if we stood up and realized that those things had no hold on us and we had no past, that would be a good thing. And the truth is, that's exactly what happens. When Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, when they received the Holy Spirit, they were made brand new. The old person that they, that they were died with Jesus Christ and they were given a brand new life and they no longer had a past. Just like Adam, they were living pure and holy with no, no past, nothing to cause. You have nothing to cause you guilt or shame because it's been paid for by Jesus Christ. But this is salvation. This is receiving the Holy Spirit. So now let's look at the, the next part of it is the baptism of the Holy Spirit or being filled. In Acts 1, 3-5, it says, To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering, by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of forty days, and speaking of things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and not many days from now. Now what Jesus is talking about and what this illustration here shows is the difference between receiving the Holy Spirit in salvation and the subsequent experience of being baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit when, after you're saved. Because right now we're talking about, we just looked at the scripture, the one right before here, it says receive the Holy Spirit. This is after Jesus was crucified, but he had not yet ascended to heaven yet. He's still going around and, and showing all the disciples. He's, he's standing here and says, look at my side. Look at my, look at my hands. And he's showing to them that he had been raised. But we find out later that, that uh, after 40 days he did this. A period of 40 days speaking the things concerning the kingdom of God. He presents himself alive to all of those, all of those disciples. He shows them that they're alive. And then after that, he ascends into heaven. And it's not until that point it says, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This is after Jesus 
had already ascended when the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And we'll look at that experience in a moment. But how many, how many of you can agree that when he was there, they received the Holy Spirit, and now he's talking about a second experience? In Luke 24:49, it says, And behold, and this is the, the promise that he's talking about. The, he says, Which you heard from me. This is where he says it. In Luke 24:49, he says, And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. The primary thing that I want to, to point out and focus on these two scriptures is that, one, we receive the Holy Spirit when we're saved. But there's a subsequent portion after Jesus ascends into heaven, and we'll learn on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And that's what he's talking about here, that promise where you'll be clothed with power from on high. And I know I need power in my life. And I think we can all agree on that point. So in Acts 2, 1 through 4, let's look at the, the day of Pentecost. It says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as the fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. My mouth is terribly dry today for some reason. So this is, this is what Jesus was talking about. He just said, in many days, in many days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this is that very moment. They all gather in the upper room. And uh, uh, Jesus comes and, and the Holy Spirit comes at this point. And the Bible says that it comes like, like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house. This is the first time that the Spirit was received and it says there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, in this point, these disciples were already saved. They had already received the Holy Spirit inside of them, making them brand new. They were already all saved at this point. But now they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says here that the tongues of fire were rested on them. They were filled. And the funny thing is, is if you go out through Scripture we recognize that this actually isn't a one-time event. This isn't just one day you get filled with the Holy Spirit and you're topped off and good to go. But you'll find out in Scripture that it says over and over they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I've heard it jokingly said that, uh, that we leak. And I think, you know, really what it is is we're filled with the Spirit and the Spirit can operate through us in these different gifts. And there's different times in our lives that we need to continue receiving Him inside of receiving that, that infilling of His power to work through us at different times for different situations. And in this particular case, and a, really, a really amazing thing happened. They began to speak in other languages. In this particular case, they were actually speaking given language of the times. Actually, 13 different languages were represented. And if you recall the story, they're like, we hear them in our own language. They were speaking in their, their language, but they were, they were hearing them in, in the other languages. They were speaking in other tongues that they had never heard. They were able to speak. I mean, th really, that's what I want. I want to be able to speak Spanish like that. That would be so much easier than studying and learning. 
But that's what happened here. They began to speak in the, the native languages of all the people. They were gathered on 13 different people. And one important thing that we notice here is it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak, but it was the Spirit giving them utterance. You know, as we begin to look at the, the gift of tongues, we learn that, that you have to do the speaking. You actually have to open your mouth in faith, but it's the Spirit of God that, that gives you utterance. The Holy Spirit gives you utterance. You know, that's the, one of the, the, the things. I remember when I, I was first learning about speaking in tongues and I was a little bit uh, hesitant about it because in some ways you look at it, it, it seems kind of weird. It's, I get that. I was there at one point in my, my life as well. So I'm like, or also, have you ever, been, have you ever seen people have been touched by God when they're laying hands on them and they, they fall back? Same with that too. That it just seemed weird to me. And I'm like, the only way I'm doing it is if I'm standing up there and, and uh, God kicks my feet out from underneath me. Otherwise, I'm not falling down. He's really going to have to show me. Same with speaking in tongues, you know. It's, I'm going to have this, like, the, the heaven. If I ever speak in tongues, the heavens are going to open. God's going to reach down and, you know, move my mouth. But that's not how it works. We do this stuff in faith. And I remember the first time that I, that I went up there to have hands in on me, and the first time that, uh, yeah, there's many words for what they call slain in the spirit, whatever you want to call it. I, I just, I fell backwards. And people, why'd you fall down? My legs wouldn't work anymore. They just stopped working. I, but I finally made the decision. You said, you know what? I'm going to trust God. I'm just going to go up there and receive whatever he has to me. I stopped resisting. I stopped trying to be tough and do things my way. And I remember that first time God touched me. And I, I felt, I don't, I don't somebody obviously ca- caught me because I didn't bust my head open or something. But I began to pray and I, I went down and, and I just continued to pray. And it just happened. You know, God, I let God touch me. In the same way, when the first time that I ever spoke in tongues is the same thing, I find aside, you know what, I'm going to, I was being taught many of these same things, and I'm really getting ahead of myself here, but uh, I just said, you know what, I'm going I'm to do it. I'm going to trust God. And, and at the moment, I was filled with the Spirit, and I began to speak in other tongues. And, and uh, you know, they, they call it the, the stammering lips when many people start, because you, you, you just begin to speak, and blah, 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 you know, you just, but the truth is that, God began to speak through me, and it was an amazing point in my life. And I think anybody that's been filled with the Spirit can tell you that God works through you differently. And it's all in faith that we do these things. So let's continue on. In Acts 2, 16 through 21, it says, But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my Spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come, and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Basically, this right here is Peter's response to the people when they begin to hear him speak in tongues. Because many of the people were hearing other languages, but other people, they were just hearing gibberish. And they said, are these guys drunk? It's only 9 a.m. I mean, are these these guys already drunk? And Peter's rebuttal, rebuttal is basically saying, hey guys, we're not drunk. It's only 9 a.m. Apparently, there were strict drinking times in the Old Testament. But he said, you know, we're not, we're not drunk yet. It's only 9 a.m. It's the beginning of the day. And this is, the, this is the, his defense. He says, you know what? 
This isn't something that's coming out of the blue. This has been spoken about. This has been prophesied about. This is the book of Joel that he's quoting from. Joel was written between 1900 B.C. and 400 B.C. And this happened in like 33 A.D. I mean, at a minimum, 400 years before, this was prophesied that this would happen. And it's probably older than that. Some 1900 years before, Joel prophesied and said that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men shall dream dreams because they're always sleeping. And even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth my spirit and they shall prophesy. But that's what he was saying. He says, this is the time that my spirit is... <laughs> is <poor. laughs> All I can think of right now is, is George going to dream a dream? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Um, but yeah, this is, I mean, hundreds of years before, it was prophesied that visions, dreams, signs... Would be when his spirit is poured forth on mankind. You know, this the, the gifts of the spirit, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just something that these guys made up all of a sudden, but this has been spoken about, prophesied about that it would happen. And then I always love verses that are like this at the end here. It says, And it shall be that everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. It's amazing to me that there are people that think that only certain people are going to be saved. All throughout Scripture, we find that if anyone calls on the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. And the greatest part about it is, is the result, this result here, that anyone calling on the name of the Lord will be saved, is because these things are happening. When the, the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, they, He gives you a power to minister to the lost. He gives you power to, to make a difference in their lives. And because of this, your obedience to be faithful and operate in these gifts and touch people's lives. Many people will be saved because of this. And I know that, you know, there's been plenty of times I need some supernatural faith. If anybody's ever gone and knocked on a door to try to talk to them about Jesus, especially your first few times, that takes a little bit of extra faith than you normally have with you. That takes, you know, the Holy Spirit being with you to do these things, empowering you to make a difference. And because of this, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, which is an amazing thing. In Luke 11 through, 11, 11 through 13, it says, Now suppose, and I'm, I'm going to be talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. It says, Now suppose one of your fathers is asked by his son for a fish. Will he not give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he, not, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If then you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? What makes a good father? I think we could... See, a lot of it is, is a good father is loving. A good father is reliable. He's honest. He's gonna, you know, a, a good father does what he says he's going to do. He keeps his promises. A good father disciplines his children. A good father makes, you know, a good father trains his children up. A good father provides for his children. And we all know these things, right? We're, as fathers, the fathers in this room, and, and even those mothers who know about their father, that, that are obviously married to fathers, that you know what makes a good father, right? 
you look at these things, you know that if they're these things, this is a good earthly father. And what he's saying here is that even if, even if us, even, even if we, if we know how to be a good father, I mean, we, we would never do these things. I mean, this is some pretty ridiculous examples here, but I mean, can you imagine giving your son a snake when he asks for a fish? You have a rattler. Or giving him a scorpion when he wants an egg, you know, and, and in our society, that, you know, in today's day and age, you know, those be like our, our kids asking for, for some Kool-Aid and we give them a glass of uh, radiator fluid. You know, I mean, nobody's going to do that. We know a good father was going to be taking care of their kids. And God's saying, and Jesus is saying, if, if you guys know how to be good fathers, don't you recognize that, that God is a much better father than any of us could ever hope to attain or, or know how to be? And when you're asking from good things from God, He's faithful. And in this case, it says if you're asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're asking for this gift, God is going to be faithful. He's, he's not going to hold back on these good gifts. You remember Paul said, seek the greater gifts. Ask God to, to work through you in these, these greater gifts. Make yourself available. I think most of the time receiving the Holy Spirit is about making yourself available. About saying, you know what, God, I, I'm, I trust you and I want you to work through me and in me. And and not being skeptical and not pushing back away from and not, you know, that's not real, that's not true. Because I mean, you know, when you, when you live like that, when you, when you live with no faith, when you live in unbelief, which is the opposite of faith, that God can't work in your life. And the same goes for these gifts of the Spirit. And it is a gift. And if, if you ask God to, to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, He, he will be faithful. He's not going to give you something else. He's going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen? In Acts 2.38-39, it says, Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call to Himself. First, we see here that uh, this gift of the Holy Spirit, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, is for who? It's for everybody. Once again, this is for you, your children, all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call to Himself. As many of those who get saved, this gift is for, the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, you're, there's not a super spiritual people that, you know, these are the ones God's going to use. You know, the pastors aren't the only one gifts are reserved for, the pastor's wives or leaders in the church, but every believer has access to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In 2 Peter 3.9 it says, The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to rep- repentance. And then in John 12.32 it says, and, if I, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to, to myself. This is Jesus speaking. This is as many as God will call. I think people can make the argument, oh, it's only the one that God calls. But if we look at Scripture, we see that salvation is for everybody. And it is available for everyone. And, and that's true in our lives as well. We have this salvation which is available. And, and one quick point I want to talk about here is, is uh, uh, baptism. Sometimes people will argue that uh, if you're not baptized, you're not saved. And they use scriptures like this. It says, repent and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. But in this particular case, the forgiveness of sins is, the, is done from the repenting, turning back towards God, receiving Jesus as your Savior. And, and it says, each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. See, the thing back then is, that was their altar call. 
they didn't mess around back then. When you when you got saved, they pulled up a bucket of water and in you went. You were, that was we call everybody up to the front and give people an opportunity that we do the sinner's prayer nowadays. It's a very, very uh, easy way for people to express their faith to say it out loud. And I think of uh, I don't remember which which uh, preacher started doing this, but the reason the the sinner's prayer ever came into existence is is a man was ministering. Uh, to a, a group of people in the building that he was ministering burned to the ground, and many people lost their lives in that fire. And he said, never again will I, I, I not be in an oppor- give people an opportunity to respond to the Lord. And that's kind of where the sinner's prayer came from, and that's how we do our altar calls, to, to give people an opportunity to respond to what God's doing in their lives. But back then, when you got saved, you got baptized right that very moment. And that's all he's speaking of here. It's not baptism that saves you, but that was their outward expression of being associated with, with Jesus Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection. But we'll move on. In Acts eleven fifteen through 17, it says, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as He did upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how He used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's ways? See, to the apostles and the brethren in Jerusalem, this is Peter giving his defense. If you remember the story, he went to the household of Cornelius after he had just seen that vision of the sheet coming down and all the unclean animals on it. And God said, go kill and eat. And he says, I... I've never eaten anything unclean, God. And it, it happened three times, and finally God says, whatever I call clean, consider clean. No longer consider unclean. So he went and spoke to the Gentiles. And these were some, some Gentile believers. They believed in God. They had been saved. They had received the Holy Spirit in salvation. Uh, when, they, when they called out to Peter, so they, they get saved and they believed, but then they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the reason he knew that the Holy Spirit fell upon them is there obviously was some sort of, of reason that he believed that happened, but he's speaking to these, to these apostles and the brethren in Jerusalem, and he's giving his defense of why he was associating with this Gentile, why he's associating with this, this Roman, Roman soldier, because he says, that, why are you going to see the uncircumcised? If you remember in the beginning, there was a problem. You know, salvation was for the Jews. The Gentiles weren't part of it yet, and that came a little bit later. But they couldn't understand why he was going to the Gentiles. And he says, how could I turn my back on them if, he, if God gave them the same gift that he gave to us also? After they believed, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he says, who am I that I could stand in God's way? Showing once again that the baptism for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit falling upon us, is, is for everybody. And once again, demonstrating the difference between salvation, receiving the Holy Spirit, and afterwards, it says after they were already believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Who was I that could stand in the way of that? Then in Acts 19.6, it says, When Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. And in Acts 18, 14 through 17, it says, Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. 
Once again, we see that these were believers. They already believed in Jesus. They believed in who He was. They were already saved. But afterwards, Paul came down and laid hands on them. And the Holy Spirit came upon them. They were baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. Here in, in Acts 8, we see a similar thing with Peter and John. He says that they came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because He had not yet fallen on any of them. But they had already been baptized. They, we talked about baptizing being the altar call. They had already been saved, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. It's a gift that comes after salvation. And it's great because we find here that, that Paul is laying his hands on them and they are receiving the Holy Spirit. And we actually know there was a... a uh, a magician around that time who started believing in God, he's, he saw what Paul was doing and he's like, oh, I want that power. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. He thought that that was some power that Paul had. But the truth is, is, is laying on of hands is simply a, a point to release faith in people's lives. It's a way for us to, as we're praying for somebody, they, it releases your faith. It's an opportunity for you to, when you're touched, to release your faith and believe for what God has for you. And in this case, with faith, as their faith was released, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And the same thing happened here. They began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And particularly in this Acts chapter 8, Philip was already there. Philip had been there before preaching in Samaria, and we find that many had believed and were baptized. But then Peter and John get there. And they hadn't even heard of baptism in the Holy Spirit. And they began to lay hands on them and they received it. They took it in faith. God was able to move inside of them. And just a quick note we'll see here, and we're going to talk about that here in a few more moments, but as soon as the Holy Spirit came upon them, they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. And in this case, we're going to see that that's evidence of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 10, 44 through 47, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. It says, They were amazed because of the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the, on the Gentiles also. And why did they know that that had happened? It says, Because for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. That was evidence that it had actually happened in their lives. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for those to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit as we did, can he? You see, we have those who are listening and they believe, they got saved, and they got filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they were baptized. Once again, showing that baptism is, is, is something that they did. It's, it's, it's an act of obedience to God. And, and there may be a point that I'll, I'll do just an entire message on baptism. But bat, being baptism, baptized is a, is a point of obedience to God. It's your outward expression of being associated with the death, resurrection, and burial of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't save you. It doesn't clean you. Jesus Christ did that. Amen. The one thing that I really want to point out with these verses is that, you know, we talk about, if you've spoken before, that the gift of tongues is kind of the, the starter gift of the Spirit. We'll find all through 
almost every time in the, the Old or the New Testament when it talks about the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you, you see that they're speaking in tongues. In this case, that that's, that's how they knew that they had received the gift of the Spirit. It says, for they were hearing them speak with tongues and exalting God. You see, this proved that God had accepted them even without being circumcised. The circumcised believers, who were the Jews, were preaching to the Gentiles. And this, this speaking in tongues proved that God had accepted them because they had received the Holy Spirit. See, this is, this is uh, against everything they'd been taught their entire life. You've got to put yourself in the shoes of these Jewish believers at the time. The, the Jews were the people of God. And this was a hard thing for them to deal with, but this evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit was, was one of the things that turned the tide. It showed that God had a plan for the Gentiles and not just for the Jews. So let's take a look at some, some other times when the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is received. People are filled with the Spirit. In Acts 2.4 it says, They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. In Acts 19.6, it says when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. In nearly every case in the book of Acts, when we find out that a, where a believer is baptized in the Holy Spirit, they begin speaking in tongues. And then in the case with Peter and Samaria, this one that we're talking about uh, right here, in Acts 8, 14 through 17, this is Peter and Samaria says they began laying their hands on them and they were filled, they were receiving the Holy Spirit. This is one of the few cases that doesn't specifically mention uh, baptism of the Spirit and speaking in tongues. But one thing that we know is that Simon, who was that magician at the time that wanted this power, he saw what was happening. There was obviously some sort of evidence of what was going on. He knew that something, they weren't just praying and laying hands on them, there was something happening. And I believe that even at that point, they began to speak in tongues. And that's when, when, that's when Simon realized that there was something going on, that there was uh, an impartation happening. But in, almost in, in every case, there is evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And speaking in tongues, or any of the spiritual gifts for that matter, if you're operating in the gift of healing, if you're operating in the, the gift of the word of wisdom, or word of knowledge, or any of those things... It's not God supernaturally possessing your body and taking control of it. You know, I think somehow we, we see TV shows when, when a spirit or God or somebody takes over somebody and their eyes roll back in their head and they glow a little bit and speak in a deep voice and that's God speaking through them. But the truth is it never happens like that. God never, you're not some you know, marionette and God's up in heaven moving things around for you when he, take, you know, he takes control so you can operate in the spirit. It just doesn't happen that way. The truth is that in any of those, you have to make a step of faith. You have to, to begin to walk out in those, those gifts, to trust. You know, if you want to, uh, to operate in the, in, the, in the word of knowledge and, and, or word of wisdom in someone's life, I mean, you've got to start praying for people and actually getting involved with people. You know, you're not just going to be sitting up in your room and just thoughts start flooding your head as, as God's throwing them down from heaven. But you've got to take that step of faith and actually begin to, to try to walk in these gifts. You know, you're never going to operate in the, the gift of healing if you never pray for somebody. And the same thing is you're, you're never going to speak in tongues if you don't actually open your mouth and start making noise. 
In that case, you, you must speak. You actually have to start. And those of you who have, who have experienced know what I'm talking about. You begin to pray, and in faith, the Holy Spirit directs you words. But you have to make the, make the choice. Paul says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. What he's saying when he, when he mentions that is that when, when uh, somebody is given a, a, a prophecy, they have the opportunity to choose when they, they express that prophecy. Like I said, God doesn't come down and treat them like a puppet and, and begin speaking through them, but they have a, a prophecy revealed to them and, and they have the opportunity to choose the appropriate time to share that. And the same with speaking in the speaking in tongues. It's not God taking over your body. You you make the choice. You make the choice to to speak in those tongues and have God speak through you. And the Bible says that the gift of the the, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And we can make those choices and, and let God work through you. And like I said, my first experience with it was very interesting and very terrifying and and because my whole life, you know, I, I really thought that if someone operated in these gifts, is God was going to come right down to heaven, smack him in the butt, and they were just going to, whoa. But the truth is, is, is you make the choice to let God work through you. 1 Corinthians 14.2, it says, For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. And in 1 Corinthians 14.14, 14, Says, Paul says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. You see, at, at Pentecost, they were speaking in known languages. We know there was 13 different dialects that they were speaking at the time. But in 1 Corinthians, Paul refers to various kinds of tongues. And the truth is that he even talks about some, some men speak in the tongues of angels. There's, there's definitely various types of tongues, and it's not just, many people have argued that, oh, speaking in tongues is only speaking in another known language, but Paul makes it clear that, that uh, who's, one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one under, understands, because in his spirit he speaks mysteries. Like when I just spoke in tongues a few minutes ago, nobody in this room understood what I said. Neither did I. The Bible says that when I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, my mind is unfruitful. Even when you pray in a tongue, you don't know what's saying, but the Bible says your spirit is edified. And I demonstrated to show you the fact that it's something that you choose to do. You choose to speak, and the Holy Spirit directs your, your, uh, directs your, your, your words. And you'll notice that in church, even uh, you guys know that, that we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, but the Bible is very clear in how these things operate as well. We're not all supposed to sit in church and begin to, to speak in tongues and talk over top of each other because, first of all, if people come in and they, they, they don't already believe in this, things, you're going to freak them out. Right? Let's be real. And also, it's not fruitful to anybody. You know, Paul says that I would, I would rather speak, and I, I think I'm getting ahead of myself again, but he says I would rather speak, you know, hundreds of words with a regular language or then speak one word in tongues because it's, it's more beneficial to those who hear it. When you prophesy, it edifies everybody because you can understand it. But the Bible says that when we pray in tongues, the mind is, unfruit, the mind is unfruitful, but my spirit prays. And you're speaking directly to God because he's the one who understands you.
So the next thing I want to look at is, do we even need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Is this something that's important? What's its, what's its purpose in our lives? And I would argue that we need it today more than we've ever needed it before. We need to have the power of God working through us to, to minister to the people around us, to be effective in this world, touching people for Christ. It's amazing to me that there are so many people who, who argue that the, the gifts of the Spirit are for, for another time. They were only for the New Testament church, and I didn't go into it today, but uh, I mean, the, the gifts of the Spirit are just as active today as they ever were, and we need them just as much as we ever did. The Holy Spirit gives us power for the common good, the Bible says. In Luke 24, 49, it says, Behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And in Acts 1, 8, Jesus said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. This is why we have the gifts of the Spirit, is to reach a lost and dying world. The gifts are to edify the church. They're to edify one another for the common good. Christianity without the power of the Holy Spirit is just a shell of its true identity. The truth is, you can be saved as we've looked without being baptized in the Spirit. We saw cases where they were saved, but they had not yet been baptized. My question is, why would you limit God's ability to work in your life by not asking God for that very gift? I think Christianity without the gift of the Spirit would just be empty, boring even. And I think many people would say that about Christianity in a lot of ways. But the truth is, I've seen God's power work. I've seen people with cancer cured. People with different diseases cured as the Holy Spirit works. You know, and I find it interesting that we're okay with, with believing that God can heal somebody, but heaven forbid they would speak in tongues. The truth is, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for us today, and that's what we believe in this church. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and, and as a church, that's who we're going to be, a people who are filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit to reach a world that is lost. Amen? Amen. Let's go and stand to our feet.